0: Alright guys, hey, if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up, turn it on, whatever you need to do. Philippians chapter 3 is where we're going to be, okay? So go ahead and get that ready for you. Philippians 3, we're going to start out, we're going to read that, okay, this morning. And we're going to read the entire chapter, 21 verses. This is one of the most classic chapters in the entire Bible, okay? So get ready, we're going read, to read that entire chapter. Uh, but I want to give you an announcement first, okay? I want, you to know, uh, I want you to know something that's coming up here in a couple of weeks. Um, Christmas is coming up soon. Anybody excited about Christmas? Anybody excited about Christmas? Woo! Christmas. All right. Christmas is always a big time of year around here at Summit because we always have a really big uh, community re- event, really big service, tons of people come. Last year, we had, uh, um, last year we had over 800 people here for our Christmas service. Now here's what you need to know though so that you don't miss it because there's going to be some things uh, that you need to know, okay? So everybody needs to get what I'm about to say. September, I almost said September 22nd is our Christmas service. Never mind, see you guys next week. December 22nd is our Christmas service, all right? December 22nd is our Christmas service. Now, here's what you need to know. That's obviously a Sunday, and we are are really trying to go over the top, guys, for this Christmas service. We want it to be an experience that you and your family will, will never forget. We are putting a lot into it, and it takes a lot for our team, honestly, to put on a Sunday morning takes a lot of volunteers, it's a lot of work, and so we are trying to put a lot into our, De- our December 22nd Christmas service, and so we thought, oh man, we want to do something in the, uh, in the evening, that's when we typically do our big Christmas service, then that Sunday morning, that's a lot of energy for our team. So here's the decision that we've made. December 22nd, our Christmas service will be at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. There is no church that morning at 11 o'clock okay so if you now we're going to have some people here just to tell you hey you showed up and we didn't haha so but there is no service that morning at 11 okay if you forget there will really be somebody here to tell you but nothing going on december 22nd at 11 o'clock december 22nd church is at six o'clock that night so if i walk up to you at the end of this and say hey what time is church on december 22nd what's the answer Six o'clock. It's not at eleven, okay? Like if you like, you can camp out for it and make it really cool, like we're giving away the new iPhone or something. But I mean, but nobody's going to be here at eleven. It is six o'clock. All right. Now, here's another thing to come along with that. This Saturday, this coming Saturday, is the city's big Christmas parade. We have a float in that parade, okay? Now, when I say float, don't think Macy's Thanksgiving Day float. It's not like millions and millions of dollars of a float, all right? We're going to put some people on the bed of a truck and throw candy at people 90 miles an hour is what that means. Uh, but isn't that what a parade is around here? Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Getting hit in the head with a Jolly Rancher is what it's all about. Um, and so nothing says Christmas more than that. And so, uh, but, but we are, we are going to really start to promote that, our, our Christmas event This Saturday, okay, so if you want to be a part of that, some of our life groups are going to help with that. If you want to help out with this coming Saturday, we're going to pass out, and we're going to explain this later, all right? So I'm going to say something right now, and then I'm going to explain it later, not right now for time. We're going to pass out tickets for our Christmas service this Saturday. We're going to start to get the word out this Saturday. We're going to give out free hot chocolate. So the advertising, the big push in the community to fill this place up on December 22nd at what time? starts this Saturday. So if you want to help with that, what you need to do, you can friend Summit Summit Church Hazard. You can like it on Facebook. All of the details will go out this week. If you get the weekly email that we put out, if you don't get that, maybe uh, it goes to maybe your spam folder or something like that. If we've got your email address, we've been sending that to you. If you want to get that email, put your email on the card today and we'll get that to you starting this week. But look for the details in there on Facebook. We'll make sure that you know about it. But if you want to help out with this coming Saturday, throwing Jolly Ranchers at people in Jesus' name and giving out tickets and hot chocolate and all kinds of stuff to our Christmas service, then look for the info this week. But December 22nd, our Christmas service is at what time? True or false? There is church Sunday morning, December 22nd at 11 o'clock. True or false? False. Okay, good. You guys are awesome. 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 Church, is it what time? December 22nd? All right, see you next week. That's all that we got for today, all right? No, just kidding. Philippians 3, all right? So we're going to read this whole chapter, uh, Philippians 3. Um, but you know what? Before we read this, I want to pray. I, I want to pray. I feel like uh, I really want to pray right now. So let's uh, pray and get, get ready uh, for what God might want to do. God, um, speak and speak so clear. God, there's somebody in this room and they're just, they are so distracted with what happened at school this week or what happened at work or that phone call, that text message, that Facebook message. Minds and hearts are going at a thousand miles an hour. And so, God, we can can really miss you if we're not careful today. Um, And I don't think anybody wants that. So, God, I pray that right now you would just help us to focus, do whatever it takes to help us to focus, to help us to to, to ask, God, what might you be saying to me today? Because, God, you want to say something to all of us. There isn't a person in the room that you're not interested in talking to today. You are interested in talking to all of us. But the question is, will we hear what you want to say? God, put us in the position to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 3, okay? So hopefully you've got that open. Hopefully you've got it turned on. If you don't have it either way in front of you, it will be on the screen behind me in just a moment. Philippians chapter 3. Let's read this. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision blameless. Watch this right here. These are some of the best, most classic verses in the entire Bible. Man, this is awesome. Watch this right here. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss "...of all things, and count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him." Underline that if you got your own Bible. "...that I may know Him." And the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on. Somebody say, press on. But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I've made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Somebody say, press on. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me. And keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I've often told you and now tell you even with tears. Walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destruction, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself um i, I don't know if you've uh, if you've ever heard the phrase you, you you've probably heard the phrase before Hitting the wall. You ever heard that phrase? Hitting the wall. If you're, if you're a runner or a cyclist, maybe you're, you're, you're really into sports or whatever, you, you've maybe even you've used that phrase. Maybe you've heard that phrase on television. Maybe you've known somebody that's used that phrase. You've heard the phrase probably hitting the wall, Right? If you're you're a runner, what it it means to hit the wall, it means that at a certain point in the race, you have ran so far that you have hit a wall that's not even there. I mean, to hit the wall doesn't mean that that you actually run into a wall. You're just running, you didn't see it coming, and bam, you've hit the wall. That's not what it means. It's not a physical wall. It's not an actual wall. But, man, it feels like it's there. There comes a point in the race where where your body is so tired, your body has had enough, and your body says, stop. There there comes a point where where your your mind has had enough, and your mind is saying, man, you cannot take another step forward. And at that point, you have hit the wall. I, 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 I like to run a lot, and I remember several years ago, uh, my wife and I, uh, with my family, we were, uh, a couple of us, we were run, We were trying to run the uh, the uh, the country music marathon in Nashville. All right, so twenty six point two miles. We're running this, and I knew early, man, it was not going well for me. Okay, like I was hurting in places. God never intended you to hurt. Amen. And it was just—I mean, it was—I cr- mean, I was just hurting. I was in pain. I was almost crying. And at mile sixteen, I was convinced that my left knee had made the decision to shoot out of my leg. I was convinced that it had had a meeting and it had said, "We are about to hit the eject button." And so I started to walk. I started to run a little bit. I started to walk. I started started to crawl, and then I saw a medical tent. And I said, I'm done. And I walked over to this medical tent at mile 17. She said, what's happened? I looked at this woman I've never seen before, and I said, my left knee is about to shoot out of my body. Can you stop that? And she gave me some Vaseline, because that's awesome. And, uh, but I was convinced that's really what she did, Vaseline and a Band-Aid, bro. That's all you got. And and I was convinced it was over, man. I, I mean, it, it, it was, I, was, I was convinced that I had maybe broke my knee. I was convinced that I'd done something to my left knee you're never supposed to do. A couple of days after that, I went to the hospital. They did an ultrasound of my knee, which found, one, I was not pregnant, um, by the way. I was, I was glad. But, two, it also discovered there was absolutely nothing wrong. And I said, no, 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 it, feel, it, it, it felt like it was about to, sh- no, there's nothing wrong. I had hit the wall, and I had told myself, I'm done. See, it's not a question of if you're going to hit the wall at a certain point. It's just a matter of when. But the real question is, when you hit the wall, can you trick yourself into pushing forward? When you feel like quitting, can you somehow talk yourself mentally and physically into pressing on? Well, here we are, we are in part three of a series called Unglued, and what we've been trying to answer every week is how do you keep it all together when everything seems like it's falling apart? But the question that I want to answer today is how do you press on when you feel like giving up? How, how do you keep going? How do you take another step when what you want to do is quit? Because listen, you don't even have to be a runner, do you, to hit the wall, Right? Listen, in life, you're going to hit the wall sometime. Maybe for you, the wall is in the doctor's office when you get the diagnosis you hope you'd never hear. Maybe the wall for you isn't you got that diagnosis. It's somebody you love got that diagnosis and you have hit the wall. Maybe you hit the wall when you get that phone call that all of a sudden turns your life upside down. You never intended to get that kind of phone call, and there it is, and you've got it, and all of a sudden, you hit the wall. You don't get in the school that you really wanted to get into, and you hit a wall. You're you're still single when you hope you'd be married by now, and you hit the wall. The marriage that you hoped would always be there, and all of a sudden, you hit a wall. You lose your job. Financially, the bottom falls out, and all of a sudden you hit a wall. And when you hit a wall, the question is, when you feel like giving up, can you somehow find the strength, gather the resources to press on when what you want to do is give up? I want to see if we can figure that one out today. I want to see if we can figure out how to keep going when what you feel like doing is giving up. Because, see, life doesn't even have to go bad for you to hit a wall. Don't sit in the chair today and think, oh, well, you know what? My life's good. That means I'm not going to hit a wall. Your life can be going great, and you can hit a wall. Because, listen, write this down. If you're taking notes, you need to know this. I want you to remember this one. One of the biggest spiritual walls you will ever face is the spiritual wall of complacency. Let me say that again. One of the biggest spiritual walls that you will ever hit, that you will ever face, is the spiritual wall of complacency. You know what complacency means? Um, complacency means to get comfortable. That's all it means. Complacency just means that you get comfortable. And so, so there you are, life's going good maybe, everything seems to be going in the way that you think it should go, but then some reason or another, you just shift into neutral, You just put it into cruise control and you get really comfortable in your walk with God instead of really trying to grow, really trying to take the step forward. Man, you just shift into comfortable mode and all of a sudden you've hit the wall of complacency and then what are you going to do? Because listen, I've worked in churches long enough, I've seen so many people who didn't commit, who didn't commit any scandalous sin, they didn't cheat on their spouse, they didn't do anything illegal, they didn't do anything heinous and overtly sinful, we would think, but all of a sudden they weren't around like they used to be. I mean, they used to always be serving, they used to always be excited, they used to always be talking about God, and then all of a sudden. That just kind of slows down. Instead of always being with God's people, instead of always wanting to be at church, you know, so that they could grow, so that they could be a part of it, all of a sudden they started to drift away from the people of God. And listen to me, listen to me. When you drift away from the people of God, you automatically drift away from God, okay? Okay? When you drift away from God's people, man, you're going to drift away from God. But the spiritual wall of complacency is one of the biggest walls that you and I will ever hit. Just this desire to shift into neutral, to, ju- to just exist in God's kingdom, you're not making any dent against the kingdom of the devil. You're not really trying to make a difference. You're just coasting. And make no mistake about it, because when we think about the devil, what we think is we think the devil wants us to commit some big, huge, and heinous sin, but the devil will take all day long you shifting into neutral and giving into complacency. The devil will take all day, every day, you and I shifting into neutral, not wanting to make a difference for God's kingdom, and just existing. He'll take that all day long. And so the question is, how can you and I press on, not just when everything's coming unglued and we feel like giving up, but how can you and I press on when all of a sudden we hit the spiritual wall of complacency? I think if you and I are going to press through the wall and keep going when we want to give up, I think we need to see three things today. There's three things that Paul shows us in the passage that we just read that you and I have got to have. If we're going to push through the wall and press on no matter what. First thing we need to have is passion. The first thing that you and I need to have if we are going to press through the wall of complacency and keep going when everything's coming unglued and we feel like giving up, the first thing we need to have is passion. See, let's just remind ourselves what's going on with the life of the Apostle Paul. Maybe today's your first week, you're just now checking in, or whatever. Paul is writing the book of Philippians from jail, okay? Paul's writing the book of Philippians from jail. He's in jail because he got arrested for preaching and talking about Jesus. And he knows that Paul, Paul knows that he's either going to get out of prison by being released, or he's going to be beheaded. Now, you need to know, we say this every week, History records Paul was beheaded. 2 Timothy is the last book of the Bible that Paul writes. Paul's in jail when he writes it, and the way that he gets out, they take him to a courtyard, chop his head off. Paul's not going to have that experience here, but he doesn't know it. So everything is coming unglued for Paul. He's in jail. He's been falsely accused. He might be executed. But those aren't all of Paul's problems, man. Because another set of Paul's problems are a group of people called the Judaizers. It's a group of people called the Judaizers. And the Judaizers are like the bad guys in Paul's life. They're like Darth Vader in the empire in the Bible, okay? Because they are just following Paul around, trying to ruin his life, trying to destroy his churches, trying to wreck everything that Paul has done. And here's what the Judaizers were all about. The Judaizers were a group of people that tried to take Christian salvation and mix it with Jewish ritual, okay? Okay? Christian salvation with Jewish ritual. And these people have made their way into the church at Philippi. And here's what they're saying. They're saying this. Hey, you know what? Paul's in jail. You don't want to be associated with a guy in jail, do you? He might have his head chopped off. And we know that Paul told you guys that the way you need to be saved is by giving your life to Jesus. And yeah, listen, listen, listen. We're all about the Jesus guy. We're all on the Jesus team. But that's not all you need to do. You don't just need Jesus to save you, these people are saying. You also need Jesus and circumcision. You need Jesus and circumcision in order to be saved. Now, you're hearing this and you're thinking, that's the dumbest thing, that's weird. Why Jesus and circumcision? Like, couldn't you have picked something better than that? Why Jesus and circumcision? Here's why. Because if you go to the Old Testament, you go to the Old Testament, the sign that you were a part of God's people was the sign of circumcision. And so if you were going to join God's people, if you were going to become an Israelite, then you needed to be circumcised. Men turn out was awesome for that. Right, guys? It's awesome. You should read the Old Testament. It's great how they talk about it. So, but, the, but, but the reason that circumcision was the sign of being a part of God's people was because God had a spiritual meaning behind the physical sign. Behind the physical sign of circumcision was the spiritual meaning that when you and i give our lives to jesus the first thing that god does is he cuts our hearts he cuts our hearts to show us that there's sin in our lives he cuts our hearts to show us that without jesus we're going to die and we're going to live without him and so what god does is he circumcises our hearts so that we will give our lives to jesus there was a spiritual meaning behind the physical act but it was lost on these guys these guys were saying, no, 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 listen. You need Jesus plus circumcision. And listen to me, somebody, I want you to listen to me. If you haven't listened to this point, listen right now. Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Do you hear that? Jesus plus anything else always equals nothing. Well, you need to be baptized to be saved. No, you don't. Baptism doesn't save anybody. You need to be good to be saved. No, you don't. Being good doesn't doesn't save anybody. You need to go to church. Well, my uh, my daddy was a preacher. My granddad was a deacon. My mom taught Sunday school. None of those things matter. Listen, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. That's math in the Bible. You add anything else other than being saved through Jesus Christ alone, and all of a sudden, man, you've lost everything. And so Paul knows this is what's going on. These guys are dogging him. These guys are putting the gospel down. If this church at Philippi believes what they're saying, it is all over. And so Paul doesn't hold back. And so in verse 2, we read this. Paul's talking about these guys to this church. He says, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. See, now all of a sudden it's making sense why he says that. He says, don't listen to these guys at all. Don't listen to these people who are saying, hey, we're religious. We know God. Paul doesn't know God. And so in verse 4 through verse 6, Paul says, hey, you know what? If you guys want to talk about somebody that knows God and has got some religious resume, let's compare resumes. And so Paul just begins to go through how he was circumcised on the eighth day. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul's religious resume is impressive, I mean, if there was a first century version of The Voice and they're looking for the most religious person, as soon as Paul hits the stage, CeeLo Green is hitting his button, the chair turns around and says, You on my team, bro. You on my team. Right? You can't touch Paul when it comes to religion. And so, just to bring it into our modern-day vernacular, when Paul says, hey, if you want to compare resumes, let's talk shop, Paul would have been at the top of the org chart. Paul has climbed the corporate ladder. Paul is making top dollar. He's got all influence. He's got the most followers on Twitter. He's the most athletic. He's the most popular. Paul has arrived. But watch verse 7. Verse 7, Paul says this but whatever gain i had i counted as loss compared to jesus indeed i count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing christ jesus my lord paul looks at all everything that was on his resume and he says you know what compared to jesus everything is loss if you compare everything on my resume to Jesus, everything is lost compared to Jesus. I would rather have Jesus, Paul says, than anything else. And so what you need to know about the Apostle Paul is Paul was passionate about Jesus. Paul was passionate about Jesus. He was excited about Jesus. He was fired up about Jesus. He had a hunger to know Jesus. And I want you to know this, and I want you to never forget this. And if you don't hear anything for the rest of the morning, this is what you need to hear. That passion for Jesus is normal. Paul is excited. He's fired up. He's passionate about Jesus. And that kind of passion for Jesus is normal. In the Bible, when men and women meet Jesus, it awakens in them this passion, this hunger, this drive, this fire to know Jesus. This is normal. See, it's normal in the Bible to meet Jesus and then have a passion for Jesus. Meeting Jesus always leads to a passion for Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What are you passionate about this morning? What are you passionate about this morning? Seriously, what, what gets you excited? What gets you fired up? What, gets you, what, what, what What? gets you excited? What gets you passionate? What gets you excited? What gets you, Whoa! what does that for you? Right? And don't sit there and say, brother, nothing gets me fired up. Nothing gets me passionate. Same dude that says that is the guy that you take to the UK game five minutes. He's got his shirt off and he's painted blue. Don't give me that I ain't passionate junk, bro. I don't buy it. Something gets you excited. What gets you, what are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? Maybe it's hunting. Maybe it's going hunting, getting up really early, sitting in a tree, rubbing deer pee on you. There's nothing wrong with that except for the deer pee part because it's pee. Amen? Amen. That's pee, y'all. But there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with rubbing animal urine on your body. Don't tweet that. Don't tweet that. Maybe it's sports. There's nothing wrong with that. Hey, you know what? Everybody in the room, you're passionate about something. Everybody in the room, whatever you're passionate about, probably a good thing. I bet a lot of people, you're passionate about your kids. That's great. You're you're passionate about your spouse. You should be. You're passionate about about your job. You're passionate about your school. You're passionate about your team. You're passionate about something. There's something that you're passionate about. And listen, there's nothing wrong with that. You should be passionate about those things. But here's the point. When you compare whatever you're passionate about to Jesus, Jesus always wins. Because only Jesus has died for your sin. Only Jesus has set you free. Only Jesus has forgiven you for your past, present, and your future. Only Jesus says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Your job can't say that. Your kids can't say that. Your spouse can't say that. There's nothing wrong probably with what you're passionate about. But compare what you're passionate about to Jesus. And Jesus always wins. There is nothing greater that deserves more passion than Jesus. So you're here, you're passionate about your kids, you're passionate about your job, you're passionate about your spouse, you're passionate about hunting. Listen, take those things, take those things that give you passion, and listen, if those things are good, how much greater do you think is the one who made all those things? How much greater, if your kids bring you joy, how much greater is the one who made your kids? If that hobby brings you joy, how much greater is the one who made that hobby? If your job brings you joy, compare whatever you're passionate about to Jesus. Jesus always wins. It is normal to be passionate about Jesus. The question is, why aren't we? Maybe it's because we got sin in our lives. We're saying yes to something that God has said no to. Here's one reason that a lot of people that sit in churches every single week hear sermons like this, know a lot about the Bible, but they are not passionate about Jesus. It's because too many people that go to church have settled for knowing about Jesus instead of knowing Jesus personally. Watch what Paul says in verse 10. If you've got your Bible open, look at verse 10. It just says this, that I may know him. Enough said. Paul, what do you want to do? Man, I just want to know him. There is a difference, church, between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus personally. Amen? There is a difference, man. There's a difference between knowing about the movie and seeing the movie, right? There's a difference between knowing about somebody and then you meet that person. There is a difference. Listen, you might know the Bible and you might even enjoy this environment. Don't settle for simply knowing about Jesus. Only settle for knowing him personally. And to know him is to be passionate about him. First thing we need if we're going to press through the wall, we need passion. But that's not all we need. We need motivation. Second thing we need after passion We need motivation to press through the wall. Look at what Paul says in verse 12, man. Thank God verse 12 is in the Bible. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. Paul says, hey, you know what? That desire and that passion that I just talked about, man, listen. Sometimes it's there. A lot of times I feel like it's not there. I've not arrived. And if Paul hasn't arrived, neither have I. If Paul hasn't arrived, nobody in the room has. So listen to what Paul does here. He says this. He says, not that I've already obtained this, but the rest of verse 12. But I press on to make it my own. Here's the motivation. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I press on to know Jesus because Jesus has made me his own. Look at how he says it in chapter 2. Look at chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 2, verse 12, it says this, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence. Watch this. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation for fear and with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He says, Work out your salvation, because God's working in you to work out your salvation. Man, I just love how the Bible creates tension and it doesn't feel any need at all to resolve it. The Bible just says, hey, you know what? Work out your salvation and God is the one that's working in you to work out your salvation. See, the motivation to press on through the wall is God working in us. The the motivation to press on and to not give up is Jesus Christ alive and at work in us. Paul says, work out your salvation because God is at work in you. But the problem is when we think about God working in us, we think that's something that's so spiritual, so over the top, that a lot of times it causes us to miss the way that God works in our lives anyway. So here's what we think has to happen for God to work in us. If God's going to work in us, it's got to be something big. It's got to be something dramatic. You've got to be taking a bath, and all of a sudden the water parts in two, and you're like, oh, it's God, right? Right? If God's going to work, all of a sudden the, the roof has to be ripped off of your house. Angels flood your kitchen. Oh, your kitchen table catches on fire. There's a voice. Take off your shoes. This is holy ground. I just made breakfast here, but okay, right? Right? We get, in our, we get in our head this idea that if God's working in my life, it has to be so overly spiritual that it causes us to miss the normal way that God works in our life anyway. See, here's how God works in our lives. Here's how God works in your life. Somebody woke up this morning, and this is your thought. This is your routine now. You just do this, but here's what somebody in the room said. Hey, you know what? I'm going to go to church because, man, God saved me. I love God. I want to get with God's people, and I want to worship him. You tell me. Who do you think's leading you to make that decision, God or the devil? God, some of you are praying about it. You keep going, Sugarfoot. Right? You're at work, you're at school, you look at somebody that doesn't go to church, you know isn't saved, and all of a sudden you have this thought, I need to invite them to church, I need to tell them about Jesus, because I want those people in heaven with me. You tell me, God or the devil? For real? For real. God, thank you. God! God! You're sitting in your seat and you're thinking, you know what, I need to join one of those life groups so that I can be encouraged, so that I can be with other Christians, so that man, I'm getting some good influence in my life. I'm going to join a life group so that I can grow spiritually, God or the devil. That's God working in your life. Listen, God works in our lives through normal, everyday nudges and prompts and thoughts. Don't ignore those. Don't ignore the everyday ways that God is working in your life. If you're here right now and you are having this thought, "I've never been baptized. I need to be baptized." You know who's leading you to make that decision? God is. You know who's nudging you in that direction? God is. You know what? I need to get into the. I need to get into the Bible every day. I need to start doing that devotional that they've written for Unglued that comes into the app every day, or I can download on the website so that I can know God and get in the Bible every day. God is leading you in that direction. I need to make church a priority. I need to serve in church. Maybe you're here and you're thinking, you know what, I need to do the 90-day giving challenge so that I can try to trust God in the area of my finances. Or you're here and you're thinking, I'm doing the 90-day giving challenge. I'm giving, but I don't really feel anything spiritual when I give. I just want to be obedient to what God says. And there it is. That's God working in your life. Listen to me, Summit. Don't ignore the nudges and the prompts and the thoughts that God is giving and working in your life and he's leading you to motivate and to stir up that passion in your life. Now, if you're here today, you're here today, you don't have any of those kind of nudges, you don't have any of those kind of prompts, you don't have any of those kind of thoughts, you're content with not going to hell and that's fine. You don't want to grow, you don't want to serve, you don't want any other part of Jesus other than the get out of hell free card. You should be worried. Because listen, God never comes into somebody's life and lets them be content with not going to hell. God's gonna come into your life and lead you to take some steps. But the motivation to press on is God working in your life. Whatever He's laying on your heart, whatever He's telling you to do, do it. And that leads to number three. If we're gonna press on, we need the passion to press on, we need the motivation to press on, but also, finally, we need the prize. We need the prize in front of us so that we can stay motivated to press on. And that's exactly what Paul talks about in verse 20. Listen to verse 20. It says this. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is in jail, possibly going to have his head chopped off, and Paul is looking beyond prison, and he's saying, you know what, I'm not a citizen here. I'm a citizen of heaven. Christian, listen to me, at school, at work, with whatever struggle you have, if you are a child of God today, you are a citizen of heaven right now. Right now you're a citizen of heaven. And listen to me, because we are citizens of heaven, five people are excited about that. That's amazing. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, glory. Because we are citizens of heaven, here's what he says. He says we are waiting for a Savior who will come back and transform our lowly body into his glorious body. What does that mean? I have no idea what that means. I've never seen a glorious body. Sorry, anybody, right? Sorry. Here's what we think that that means. When Jesus came back after he resurrected from the dead, he came back with a resurrected body. Did you know that the Bible says there's going to be a resurrection of the dead? And that when you die... There's going to come a point in history when Jesus splits the sky in two, and as soon as he comes back, your body is going to be resurrected from the ground or wherever your body is. Maybe a shark has to vomit you up because you were shark food one day. I don't know what you were, man. But your body is coming back, and this body right here is giving way to a glorious body. And so here's what we know. There is coming a day when pain in this body will end. Bleeding in this body will end. Hurting in this body will end. When depression ends, anxiety ends, fear ends. When this body is going to give way to something that you and I can't even imagine because we are citizens of heaven. We are not there yet. We are citizens of a country and a kingdom that we have never been to. And until we get there, we press on. We press on. And so I just want to say this and then we're done. So if somebody from the band can come up, give me some background music, make this sound real spiritual, all right? Some of you will get that later. Listen to me. Every Christian in the room, I want you to get this right now. Every Christian in the room, Jesus bought you to run. Jesus bought you to run. He did not buy you to sit on the side and coast. He didn't buy you to hit the wall and quit. Jesus bought you. The Spirit is in you. The saints in heaven are watching. And He has bought us so that we can run. And if you're here today, maybe you're here today, and you feel like your relationship with God has gotten off track. Maybe you're here today and you want to go to the next level in your relationship with God, but you're not sure how to. Maybe you're here today and you've made some bad decisions here in the past year, weeks, months, and all of a sudden it's got you off of where God wants you to go and you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know what? I would like to get back maybe to where I used to be spiritually or I would like to go to the next level spiritually. I would really like to grow in my relationship with Jesus. I would really like to press on but I got so much stuff Right now, that I don't feel like I can press on. You might be here today and you don't even believe in God. You're not even sure if you're sold on this moment. But all of a sudden, you are tracking with this in a way that you never anticipated. And I just want to say that's God working in your life. You might be here today and you're not a Christian and you're thinking, why did I come today? Maybe somebody invited you. You saw it on Facebook. You find yourself in this seat and you're not saved. You don't have a relationship with Jesus and you're hearing this sermon, and you're thinking, well, man, what am I supposed to do with what you're saying? Listen, regardless of where you're at, every one of us in the room today, right now, right now, we are all going to do one thing. We are going to do one thing. We're not going to do two things. We're not going to do three things. We're not going to do 20 things. We're not leaving today with, with a list of things to do. Wherever you are at today, and regardless of who you are, we are wrapping up today with all of us doing one thing. And it is the one thing that Paul did in verse 13. It's the one thing that Paul does over and over when he feels like he drops the ball. It's the one thing that God's telling us to do today if we've hit the wall and we've slowly started to walk away. It's the one thing that we're supposed to do today if maybe the bottom fell out and we're angry at God, we're bitter at God, we don't trust God anymore, but, but, but we might be open to getting back to where we used to be. It's the one thing that... That we need to do if sin has crept into our lives and has taken us off course from where God wants us to be. We are going to do one thing, and it's the one thing that Paul says to do in verse 13, and I think it's going to be up on the screen behind me. The one thing that we're going to do, we are going to forget what lies behind, and we are going to press on to what lies in front of us why because what's in front of us is jesus where we're going is the kingdom of heaven where we will be forever free where we will never fear again never hurt again never cry again there is no pain and so paul says right now we will forget what's behind us do you know what was behind paul before paul got saved paul killed christians Paul murdered Christians. He had them arrested. Don't you think every time Paul wanted to do something significant for Jesus, the devil whispered in his ear, don't you remember what you did? Don't you remember, Paul, when you made that decision? Don't you? Don't you remember, Paul, what you said? It's the same thing that keeps holding some of you guys back. Don't you think God can use you after what you did last night? Smell of it still on you in church you think that you can do what this cat's talking about on stage. You keep making bad decisions. No, 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 no. Listen, 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 listen. Don't you think that you can forget what's in the past? What's in the past defines you. Listen, if Paul can walk away and say, I forget everything in my past. I forget all of the horrible things. I forget the murder. I forget the imprisonment. I forget how I tried to snuff out jesus christ i forget it his grace is so big it is so wide that i can move away from that and i can press on to what's ahead listen if god's grace is big enough that paul can do that there isn't a person in the room that god's grace isn't big enough for you you can forget what's behind and you can press on today so we're doing one thing today we're doing one thing We're forgetting what's behind, we're forgetting this morning, we're forgetting last night, we're forgetting this past week, and we are pressing on. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm pressing on. We're pressing on. Because in front of us is more of Jesus. In front of us is greater significance in his kingdom. In front of us is a deeper difference we can make in this community. In front of us is more of him, and that is what we want, amen? That is what we want. We are doing one thing. We are doing one thing, and we're doing it right now. We're forgetting what's behind, and we are pressing on because we have a Savior who ran the race for us and now lives in us and calls us to run. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you that you call us to run. If there's somebody that's walked in here, they used to run and they're not running. You're telling them to run. If there's somebody that used to be really serving, they were on fire for you. They've slowly drifted away. They've hit that wall of complacency right now by your spirit. You're whispering run. If there's somebody they have encountered the hardest season of their life and the devil is trying to snuff them out by your spirit right now. You're saying run. If there's somebody here they feel like they're past where they've been is greater than where they're going in your name. That's wrong. And you're telling them to run. Jesus right now I believe your spirit is prompting and nudging and speaking and moving leaving no one here where they are. Calling all of us to move forward. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, you might be here today and you are not a Christian. What would I say to you? One thing. What should I do today? One thing. You're in the seat for one thing. So that today, you can give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. If you are here today and you are not a Christian, the Bible says that our sin has separated us from God, but Jesus loves you so much. He left heaven and he died for your sin. And he came back to life so that right now in that seat, you can go to him in prayer and ask him to forgive you and to come into your life and change you. And he promises to do it. So if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you can just start to pray right now and ask Jesus to save you and to change your life. If you know you need to do that, do it. But if you know you need to do it, you don't know how to verbalize it, you don't know how to do it, you're unsure how to do it. I'm going to pray a prayer right now. I invite you right where you sit, pray this prayer with me. If you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today for the first time, pray this prayer with me right there where you sit. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make me brand new today. And help me to live for you from this day forward to the best that I can. Thank you for what you've done for me. Amen. With every head bowed, every eye still closed, nobody's looking around. If you just prayed that prayer, I'm going to count to three. If you made the decision to give your life to Jesus today, you want to start a relationship with Jesus, I'm telling you, it's the greatest thing and it's the one thing that you need to do today right here is to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, you're unsure that you've done that. You don't know, but you want to know that you know. You want to know that you know that you know Him. Right now, as soon as I count to three, if you're making that decision today to begin a relationship with Jesus, as soon As I count to three, I want you to raise your hand high up in the air so that I can see your hand today. One, two, three. Raise it right now. There's a hand right over there. Anybody else? Anybody else? Hands in the room. Anybody in the room that say, today I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Listen, if you're making that decision, look at me. Look at me. Jesus doesn't want you to keep that to yourself. He wants you to tell somebody. And you can take your connection card on the back of that connection card. Just simply check, I gave my life to Christ. As you're walking out this morning, there are going to be some volunteers there in the back. They've got some free books, free things they want to give you. If you're making that decision today, do not leave. Please don't leave till you give them that card to let us know that you're making that decision because we want to help you in that decision today. But you're here, and you are a Christian. You are a child of God. What did God say to you today? If you're here, you've got a relationship with Jesus. I'm talking to every Christian in the room. Every Christian in the room. If you're here today and you would say, I want to press on. I want to press on no matter what. I want to press on regardless of the walls I might hit. I want to press on to know him and i am remaking that commitment today i am saying that today that's what god is laying on my heart i want to press on to know jesus more if that's you today raise your hand right now raise your hand right now if that's you hands are going up all over this room all over this room hands are going up listen 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 if that's you you've got your hand up if that's you you've got your hand up Here's what I want to invite you to do. You might have something going on in your life right now you need to pray with somebody about. There might be an issue in your life, your marriage, your family, whatever it is. Something's in the way, something God's dealing with you about. Listen, if you need to pray with somebody, I want you to get up out of your seat right now. Make your way to the back of the auditorium and just go. Maybe you've slowly started to walk away from God. You want to come back. You don't know what that looks like. You get up and you go pray with somebody. But if you raised your hand, if you raised your hand today, whatever God is nudging you toward, whatever He's urging you toward, don't ignore that step. Don't ignore that step. In fact, right now, if you've got a connection card, God's laying something on your heart. You know what? I just invite every single person right now, you might want to take that card, and maybe God is nudging you to check the box that says, I need to be baptized. It's time. He's leading me in that direction. Make that commitment. Maybe you're here today, and you're not serving anywhere, and God's calling you. Hey, you know what? You need to serve. Go ahead and make that commitment today. If there's something in your life that we can pray about, write it down on that card. But here's what I know. God is calling us to run. So, summit. let's press on, and let's run. Dear Jesus, we just thank you for today and for what you've spoken into our church. We thank you for what you're doing in this series, and God, We want to press on. We don't know what this week has, but you do. And you are worth pressing on. You are worth moving forward. You are worthy to be known. You are worthy of all of our passions. Jesus, we love you because you first loved us. And Jesus, we want to press on to know you more as individuals and families and as a church. In your name we pray. Amen. Summit, let's give God thanks and praise today for what he's done. And listen, before we dismiss, if God is lay, if God is laying a step on your heart, something that you need to take, let us know on the back of that connection card. Check that box. Make that commitment. Make that move. And don't leave today, man. Till you take that step, you need to get your relationship with God back on track. You slowly started to walk away. Man, talk to somebody about that today. Let's get that settled today. All right. Hey, guys, next week, next week's part uh, four of our Unglued series. going to be a big day, going to be a great day. And listen, Saturday is the Christmas parade. you want to help us get the word out about the Christmas service we're going to do? Just look for it on Facebook, Twitter, and everything else. Man, love you guys. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you Sunday. Love you guys.
1: your faithfulness oh God wrestle with the sinner's heart lead us by still waters into mercy and nothing can keep us apart and so And all your people see